Big Mama 3, John Goodman is the king of England and the most likable cops ever seen on screen. This week on 2010. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the uh, Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back across three decades of movies, TV, uh, pop culture history, music, video games, and more. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antisa, and who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I always rub my lotion on the skin or else I get the hose again. Oh my mm. god, one of the most revered Especially movies in, of all time. In these winter months, you gotta. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, Littering Anne. Littering Anne. Littering Anne. Littering Anne. It's me, Sarah. <laughs> That's the second funniest cat thing to happen this week. Shout out to that lawyer on a Zoom call. Holy shit. Oh, oh my goodness. And uh, oh, I also want to thank uh, our executive producer, Evan Clark, and many other fine folks at patreon.com slash lasertime, making not only this show a reality every week, but uh, every other show in the Lasertime Network. And uh, please... Do enjoy our best of the year movies, TV, and coming very soon, right in time for Valentine's Day, a look at erotic thrillers. Things we had to get off on before the internet. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Uh, but I miss those days, honestly. But this is 302010, and we'll be talking about uh, all the stuff that came out in 1991, 2001, and uh, 2011 in the week of February 12th through the 18th. And again, the thing Diana teased. That's kind of the craziest one because we had a little movie called Hannibal last week. This week we have a movie that's getting its television show like almost to the day uh, yeah. the movie yeah. came out. That was kind of the most exciting part of the uh, the big game this weekend. Thanks for not the saying trailer. the copywritten word. I don't ever want to. No worries. I don't want to come after us. <laughs> I gotcha. But yeah, seeing the trailer for the new Clovery show looks really exciting. Was it? I, I just don't. I don't. Is there? I haven't read the books. Is it specified that everyone do a Jodie Foster impression in the books, or is that just... (laughs) Yes, actually, it's very confusing. Yeah, is is she specifically that Southern? I thought her her impression was weird, the person... Yeah, she's from West Virginia, that's part of her thing. Okay, okay. I'll allow it. (laughs) A lot of legal proceedings going on around us, so... uh... Feeling kind of legal. But let's get into 1991. February 12th or the 18th, we'll tell you all the movies, TV, video games, music, and uh, the big stuff that came out this week, including the newsishness. And this is definitely newsy. Uh, oh boy, this week, Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid marry forever. Wait, we already talked about the movie that broke them up. Uh, mm. Proof of life, but they will divorce in 2001. It's a great year for everyone, but uh, Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid, I guess. Yeah. Some other people had a bad time in 2001. I know. It was, yeah. That was the joke. But, um, oh, sorry. But, <laughs> but yes. You're too good of an actor. I know. Or, yeah, too bad of a joke teller. But but they... they there, was there something about them that seemed inflappable? They were making bad movies together, seemingly enjoying each other's company. Two beautiful people uh, walking the red carpet together. Um, yeah, they're both so charming and yeah. charismatic. Yeah. And kind of like America's sweethearts. Yes. Like, just two... And I'm not just saying this because he was in Everybody's All-American, but just like two apple pie, yeah. like baseball. Apple pie people. and peach cobbler got married this week. And... Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. A hot dog and a hamburger in wedded bliss. It, I'd say it was and not to be. Australian covered in Vegemite showed up. 
Uh, Ruined everything. Uh, at least we got the star of the boys out of it. But yeah, in other news, let's see if I can mispronounce this. U.S. air raid on the Amaria? Am, am I, Amaria? Yeah. Amaria shelter in Baghdad kills more than 408 civilians. It, yeah. Holy shit. That's a fucking giant whoopsie daisy. Uh, Yeah. And the thing is, it wasn't so much of a whoopsie daisy. Like, we knew that that was an air raid shelter Good. that had been used during the Iran-Iraq war. And we targeted it specifically, possibly not thinking that it was going to be like all civilians. They just thought like, maybe, maybe it's a military installation and maybe there's a couple civilians in there. Uh, but Secretary of Defense Dick Cheney... Yeah. Made that call, mm. motherfuckers. Yeah, uh, and and some of the relatives of people who died uh, tried to sue the U.S. government for war crimes, and then the case got thrown out, and it sucks. Really? But just a reminder, yeah, the the Gulf War was not uh, casualty free fun times. No, it was not. And mm-hmm. I guess to those the victims who didn't got their suit thrown out, take some solace, even if you got them. Uh, the previous president probably would have pardoned them because we didn't know to the last minute that war criminals was a thing. Uh, on his agenda let's let's make sure to pardon these people mm. but the movies oh lord take your bets on which movie <laughs> i saw in theaters this week anybody say across the tracks you are wrong uh, but if you were somehow predicted we'd be talking about a movie starring ricky schroeder and brad pitt good for you what i know and, man and carrie snodgrass is a, yeah carrie snodgrass yeah all right it must is be willy wonka's daughter uh i mean this sounds almost like uh an after school special because it's about like running track and overcoming oh. your stuff but i love that we have this here in this like it might have gone straight to vhs i mean who gives a shit but by the end of the year everyone is going to know brad pitt's name and oh. it's kind of nuts to see him here of like oh mm-hmm. <laughs> you're making movies with just barely no longer ricky ricky schroeder yeah mm-hmm. well he wasn't he wasn't a, he was a great actor at first but he was cast in a is that his big role coming up this year this year i'm excited wow, to watch that again yeah. i love that shit this year that's, I cannot wait to talk about that movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, excellent, excellent. If you were taking the bet on which movie I did see in theaters, it would be the one with Peter O'Toole. I was a huge Peter O'Toole fan. So I said, I Mom, Dad, I'm 10. Can you please get me into King <laughs> Ralph uh, starring Yo, Peter O'Toole? I just got to remind them how old you are. <laughs> and, <laughs> of like, course. Mom, Dad, I'm 10 now. <laughs> I'm in my Peter O'Toole phase. And maybe John Goodman at, like, his peakest Goodman. He... He looks like the coach from Revenge of the Nerds, like, won the lottery. He is so <laughs> fat and 80s. It is, I love this version of John Goodman in the most, In it's hard to know which one of these movies is the worst of our show this week. <laughs> but I have affection for both of them. King Ralph, let's see if the trailer explains the premise. Now, a new king must be found. Excuse me, Sir Cedric. Yes? I do believe we found an heir. Is he everything we might have hoped? Allow me to introduce our sovereign lord, Ralph Jones, King of Great Britain, Head of the Commonwealth, Defender of the Faith. (laughs) John Goodman. Is everybody having a good time? Is King Ralph. Good color, Miss Molly. Where did they find this man? Oh, my God. It's like, for people, just go look at this trailer or this poster. I, I, Taking Sarah's advice, I found a copy of this for sale at the library, which does not bode well for our archival institutions if I'm getting King Ralph from the library. But, like, you wouldn't believe this movie. Ex- it sucks all over. and is, It's so stupid. It's, but it's good-naturedly stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
It's not regrettably but, stupid. It doesn't have a lot of like uh, nasty shit in it. It is a very kid friendly movie. Other than other than the thing, I, I was I like, wait, how did this happen? And he, who saw Battlestar Galactica among us? Remember how that woman became the president because she was the secretary of education and the only one in the yeah. cabinet not killed? That's what happened. They murder the entire royal family in the first two minutes and just kind of never talk about it again until well, John I can get behind like, that. Like twenty members of the royal family. It's a you lot. Can go- you can go online right now, though, and they figured out who one thousandth in line for wow. the British throne is. Wow! Like, there's it gets real deep. Like, mm-hmm. it, it goes way, way back. So, yeah, knocking off twenty is not going to get it to the illegitimate son of some duke who's <laughs> a lounge singer in what, like Reno? I, I know, just but just what we know now about media coverage of the royal family. If you murdered thirty of them in one shot, like this movie. Wouldn't be interesting because that's all we'd be talking about. <laughs> it wouldn't be King Ralph. But yeah, John Goodman. It was an accident. It's not like it was terrorism. It was just a dumb accident. It was an accident. Ah. And John Goodman plays the American distant schlub who must become the king of England. <laughs> they don't have a designated survivor. I find that some like inbred cousin, at least, that has to like stay in a bunker <laughs> when they go on like fox hunting trips or whatever the fuck they do. I present to you Ebenezer Crawdad. Uh, <laughs> 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 this movie but this is the like most 80s yeah and i know we're 91 but this is like the most 80s premise i've ever heard in my right. life probably a ridiculous let's call it high concept to be nice movie um yeah. where the world was smitten with john goodman and everyone kind of wanted to do something interesting with him and if you if this is pitched to you like yeah john goodman should be the king of england that could be funny and it could be in a different world. It, it is more just like a relic of terrible films. And I've seen it like four times. I don't hate it, but it's inarguably awful. But it's it's totally worth yeah. watching just as a curiosity. Hmm. Yeah, it is. I mean, mostly it's just my brain breaking every time John Goodman, John Hurt, and Peter O'Toole. <laughs> any combination of those are on screen together. It's just, yes, John Goodman and Peter O'Toole hung out on the set of this and like took smoke breaks together. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking insane. That's weird. Yeah, and and just yeah, I got nothing bad to say about John Goodman as an actor or a person. I love him showing up Ooh. in pretty much anything. This is a great movie for a sixty six degrees separation game. Oh, Ooh, yeah, very useful. Right, because mm-hmm. you got a couple Harry Good Potter one. cast members in here, and uh, <laughs> yeah, you can really get. Around. Oh, that's true. Once you got a Harry Potter from John Hurt, mm-hmm. you can go the everywhere. Exactly. John Hurt is probably. Like before he passed R.I.P., he probably was higher in line for the British Crown than John Goodman. <laughs> oh, I love you, John Hurts. Um, and but the next movie, the this next the- movie is also horrible. I would watch King Ralph twelve more times than rewatch Nothing But Trouble. And I rewatch Nothing But Trouble for this show because I Ooh, love you, girl. people. Yeah, I wow. I started to, but I didn't see this in the theater this week. But I rented this for a sleepover that never happened. So I remember this specifically because I had this movie and I watched it by myself. I remember like, did all of that just happen? Like, why am I not? I am so confused. I feel like, and I just rewound the movie and watched it again. (laughs) Uh, The movie, John Candy, Demi Moore, Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, uh, also writing and directing, playing quadruple duty because he plays multiple roles and nothing but trouble. All they wanted was a little getaway. What is this place? Okay, let's eat. Hands on a log, man. How about a nice Hawaiian punch? All they got was nothing but trouble. Hey! Ah! I don't I don't know what would have fixed this film or if there's anything. It is the most surreal, weird. 
It is one of the best worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Oh, it's it. It's one of those where I'm just so sad because the concept is good, the cast is good. Yeah, I mean, just the basic concept of yeah, yuppies uh, driving out in the middle of nowhere end up in a place that's not Centralia, Pennsylvania, where there is an underground coal mine fire that's been going on for thirty years. That's true. That's a real place, and. Uh, like the local judge is is an old kook who's a crazy person with a dick for a nose. Good lord! <laughs> there, I mean, no that, that that whole bit was fine. Why does he have a dick for a nose? Why is his house a mechanized fun house full of like trap doors and slides and things? That's what, if to to younger people, I should say like if if House of a, House of a Thousand Corpses was written as a comedy, that's what this is. <laughs> it's exactly House of a Thousand Corpses. That is why I have avoided it. So I think yeah. I've, I've heard two bad movie podcasts specifically talk about this movie, like as kind of it, a tentpole of that kind of movie. It is a disaster. Genre. Yeah. It's, it is. And the, the chaos that the, is described is enough to keep me away from it. Like, I feel like it would kind of give me a lot of anxiety. Okay. And yeah, I, uh, I'm good. It is so deeply unpleasant. And just yeah. when you start getting used to how unpleasant like Dan Aykroyd is with his weird prosthetic penis nose and eating gross food, then they like roll out new character, like two giant baby men, naked baby, men. like that in in diapers who nope. have like three year old intellects and like well, Bobo and Little Devil. Oh, it's it's so unnerving. No, thank you. It's. it's I don't know what they were thinking. I, I they can think tell that you was funny. I can tell you what they were thinking. At that point, the highest grossing horror comedy was Ghostbusters, conceived by Dan Aykroyd. And mm. this is it, it leans a way more towards horror than yeah. <laughs> than Ghostbusters did. But I I think that's why they sort of gave him carte blanche. Apparently he didn't want to direct it. He just wanted to like I want to get this made. So if I, like, I'll direct it until you find somebody else. And they never did because it's such an odd script to begin with. And I thought I was reading, he was also pretty conciliatory to like, oh, you don't like that studio? I'll change it. So the tone is wildly inconsistent. I, you have to be curious. What if this was a hard R? Because it seems like there were a lot of things removed because it's so gross at certain mm. points. There's a lot of bones and sinew and just dirt and filth and menace in this film. I praise it because it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Like, just it, it's it's like House of a Thousand Corpses, but it wants children to watch it. It's very crazy. <laughs> so I love it but for is that. It, is it for children though? I think like, it may have been intended to be because otherwise, I I have so much trouble telling. But I guess yeah. so. Hmm. I guess for teenagers and up. Because well, oh, okay. Judging by the way, we usually Demi don't was. show children. We don't show penises to children generally. Yeah, or or a giant machine that um, murders you and rips your bones apart and throws them in the air. Yeah, like maybe is it? Maybe it's just one of those things where it just like it just slight it just whiffed, just whiffed the tone. Like because like for me, Roger Rabbit always veered on that like almost a little too disturbing for kid watching because it's Tiny bit, there's yeah. some like really like man recovering you know, from alcoholism and the murder of his brother <laughs> and that his, shoe the shoe is know, killed on screen in front of you terrible yeah so and the eyes that pop out and then they're cartoon eyes like yeah. i'll never forget that so like that to me it's like it almost verges on too much for kids this i feel like just gets bumped over that line from what it sounds like it's being described i feel like it jumps wholeheartedly over that line like it is very cartoonish but in a very disturbing gross way with a lot of non-cartoony murder going on and 
Oh God, it's so fucking disturbing. And as a kid, yeah. I, I couldn't, I remember trying, like, why am I not having more fun with this? Like, I feel like I would, if you were to describe this and it has roller coasters and murderous fair rides, why wouldn't I love this? And, and the digital underground? Yeah, Tupac's movie debut is in this movie. Yes, I know. I just stopped and like, is that freaking Tupac? Mm-hmm. Yes, Tupac was in digital underground. He's in nothing but trouble. Very recognizable here. Okay. This is one of the the best bad movies I've in that it's like it wow. looks expensive for the time. It I bet it yes. was. It, it 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 goes a long way to to just repulse you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like I can't call it a good bad movie because mm-hmm. but it's one of those interesting bad movies where it's like every scene or two you want to stop and be like, "So what were they trying to do?" <laughs> And why did they think this was accomplishing that goal? Do you think this was a cocaine movie? Um, like Gremlins, o- like Gremlins, obviously is. A you know, I don't, I don't know, but I, uh, but it, you should also remember this is like at the point where that first SNL cast are god tier in yeah. the movie business, yeah. and Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase had already made a li- like I think a literally terrible and unwatchable movie in Spies Like Us. I think that movie's fucking mm. awful, huh. but people seem to love yeah. it. I would yeah. rather watch this. I don't. Mm. What I encourage you look at the. They got a uh, the guy who did the poster to, va- to vacation to do a poster for this, and it had a bunch of other titles. This is a horrible title. Mm-hmm. It had a bunch of gross titles like Vanklevania, and that made way more sense. You knew what you'd be getting into. This, oh, yeah. this just this seemed like a romantic like comedy. 80s. This is an eighties title. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you if you look at the cover of this box, you have no idea what you're getting into. Yeah. It is. It is. Brutal, and I don't. I guess I can't call it a good bad movie, but it's fascinating. And and having watched yeah. it when it came out, like I still, I definitely saw that right, and I have to bring it up to people. I'm like, oh yeah, that movie's real. It's real. <laughs> feels like it's, feels like a fever dream. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not pleasant. Yes. I don't know anybody who's a fan. It's more notorious than it is uh, good. But I love it for that. I really do, especially because I discovered it on my own, and now it's like people who like bad movie podcasts it's revered or at least uh-huh. or at least yeah. feared on those podcasts yeah yeah oh. it, it is a real like what were they thinking how did this get made kind yeah. of thing of just why mm-hmm. just why and once you got it all cut together why why would you even release this why don't you just cut your losses and move yeah. along the real cocaine was being done by a bunch of executives who were petrified of te- saying no to dan Aykroyd. It seems like a different world, but that's where we were. Doctor Detroit was huge. Uh, I don't know if that's true. Maybe. And yet, I I find the next movie so much less disturbing, and it is <laughs> so disturbing. And yet, I I I have no trouble. I I I had weird dreams after watching Nothing But Trouble, and I have no trouble sleeping after watching Silence of the Lambs because it is a one hundred percent gold star masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Brooke Smith, Diane Baker, Cassie Lemons, Anthony Hill, Frankie Faison, uh, Ted Levine, Scott Glenn, and Jodie Foster, and Anthony Hopkins. Number at the box office this week, Silence of the Lambs. Do not touch the glass. Do not approach the glass. If he attempts to pass you anything, do not accept it. An FBI trainee. Just do your job, but never forget what he is. A brilliant psychotic. How do you catch him, Larry? Mind against mind. Clue for clue. She's playing a game she can't lose. To find a killer, she must stop. Tell me his name, Doctor. The Silence of the Lambs. Goodbye, Harry. Rated R. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't, oh, yeah. I can't. I don't even know what to add to this because, like, I discovered this movie very late. Me and too. I, and, and I can say, just to, as a quick aside, like, this is one of those movies that I did discover pretty later in life. Like, 
you know, in my 20s, late 20s or whatever. And it's one of the few like classic movies that has been parodied so much, but still has not been ruined by being parodied. Like the scenes that you see all the time that get parodied still have like an emotional impact and I, still I feel have like, like a cinematic I feel punch. like you're calling out Cable Guy. And, I feel like you're specifically calling out Cable Guy and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> I'm, just saying, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But like that happens so often yeah. with like classic movies where you just when you actually see it, you're like, oh well. Well, it's fine. It's, it's like immediately following up on the this line. Works. He said, "I could smell your cunt," which is like a very gross line. <laughs> not yeah, not the original reads. So for some reason, asking Jodie Foster to repeat that, I hate that line. <laughs> yeah, multiple I, Megs is gross. He gets what's coming to him. Yeah. So I was just saying about uh, Brad Pitt will be a star by the end of the year. Everyone suddenly knows who Anthony Hopkins is. Okay, he's so been they, around. They, he's been around for quite a while. Uh, you know, Elephant Man or mm-hmm. Longest Day, uh, 83 Charing Cross, Crossroad. He's been around, but he's just sort of like, hey, it's, oh, it's that, that British guy. Right. Whatever. Yeah. It's like no one, uh, you know, fancy people, British people probably know his name, but no yeah. one else. Oh, no, sort of, he like, was in that ventriloquist murderer is. movie. It wasn't a yes. But you're right. After this, Anthony Hopkins is like your third to fifth lead in every movie he's in ever again. Wow. That is like so... Sh- everyone learns that name because it's so freaking indelible. And mm-hmm. it's it's so cool that they pick someone who's like recognizable, but not like a star. Mm-hmm. Like, And they, they offered this role to everybody and every version of it you think of in your head. Like, Al Pacino is this? Oof. <laughs> what? I love the oh, Chianti man. beans, yeah! <laughs> yeah, it's just they offered it to everybody, mm. and pretty much everybody Chianti said beans. no because it was too disturbing. Wow. Yeah, they said, nope, too gross. Sounds too, too gross. And like, why do you want to play a bad guy? He's a bad guy. And it's like, you're missing the point. He's so bad, but he's also sympathetic, and it lulls you into thinking like, he's not so bad. I mean, he's creepy, but he's not so bad. And then he brutally fucking murders a bunch of people. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, it, it's, it was bizarre. As a, I think I was with Sarah where like I'd seen parodies of it and like, well, this guy is not on screen a lot. But I'm also, mm-hmm. I remember, may not have been the same night with Nothing But Trouble, walking into my parents watching a movie and it was the dick-tucking Buffalo Bill, I'd fuck me, mm. goodbye horses scene. And they screamed at me so loud to get the fuck out of the room. <laughs> Yes! So like, oh I, my gosh! I'm still that disturbed is... by that scene because I remember how I felt as a kid. Like, what the fuck? I'm sorry! I'm sorry! Yeah, that uh, is, oh, wow, that's jogging a memory for me mm. now because I'm, at this point, I'm five. Mm. And I remember when my parents watched this, they got it on VHS. And I mean, I was like one of those little only child kids for a long time that just like watched everything with my parents. But this movie, I was like, you need to just go play in your room because you're watching bathroom. a movie. Fill up a tub, yeah. stay here, lock the door. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember every time I would come out of my room, they'd be like, like turn it off just because it was so disturbing. Now, looking back, I can see why. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of disturbing things in here. Because mm. uh, just to summarize, if you haven't seen it, and I don't know why you haven't, but uh, Jodie Foster is a trainee at the FBI, and they're looking for a serial killer who keeps killing women. And she goes and interviews uh, a total psychopath cannibal, played by Anthony Hopkins, to see if he has any ideas about who could be doing the killing. And we go from there. And uh, he starts manipulating her, and there's a lot of battle of wills going on. And meanwhile, they still have to go find Buffalo Bill, this killer who's uh, doing a bad, he's doing very bad, bad things. Mm-hmm. He's a bad 
guy. And I guess that's one thing that's interesting to look back on. There was controversy at the time saying this is super anti-LGBT. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll get into that yeah, with because, in erotic thrillers as well. It is it is yes. not a very understanding time for anything yeah. other than heteronormative nonsense. Right. And I mean, there was a lot of folks in the gay community who thought it was anti-LGBT. And there was, you know, some argument. It's, it's tough because if you watch it now, they seem to be pretty clear that the serial killer is not actually a trans woman. Mm-hmm. He is insane. Yes. And he thinks that becoming a woman will somehow make all his problems go away. But he doesn't actually mm-hmm. he's he's not that's not who he is. He's mm-hmm. actually fucking nuts. And there's I'm sure obviously people would say like, oh, there's people who think that about all trans people. We're just insane as opposed yeah. to, you know, dealing with identity. Stuff. I don't but it's I like don't, if he really wanted to be a woman, would he be killing so many women? Yeah. And I don't think it's that so much that he wants to change his gender that he wants to literally live inside of his mother's skin and be a specific person is, yeah. is the thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've heard that too. I think it was even addressed in a documentary recently about trans representation called Disclosure, oh. which mm-hmm. is very confusing because that's also the name of a erotic thriller. <laughs> but, um, but I think that was one of the things that they talked about was that like, yes, at the time, a lot of LBGT groups were upset about it but then there were also some lgbt people that were just kind of like cool i mean (laughs) murders exist in every spectrum that you can possibly imagine you know so like yeah it's not the problem is when you have such a small amount of actual representation Mm. then if this is what people are seeing that is like so extremely mainstream that's the thing that's why representation matters it does, yep. it does bring me to the Good subject, point. I think, without the performances of Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins, this would be a lot campier. Yeah. And it is like, oh, no, these people really know what they're doing. This is this is sinister today. And mm-hmm. and then you get to oh, Ted, yeah. Ted Levine. <laughs> Are you both size 14? Punch! Yeah, a little, little Ted Bundy strategy there. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yes. A Ted Bundy strategy to get someone into his van. Mm-hmm. And yet he's also sort of based on Ed Gein, the idea of wearing yeah. skins. Mm-hmm. These very Ed Gein things are combining some greatest hits of crazy assholes. That's true. And, yeah. Uh, I don't know where, like, I, I just have nothing but effusive praise for this movie. Mm-hmm. Feminist masterpiece. I'll say mm-hmm. that too. Written and directed by men, but still feminist masterpiece. Yeah, I was, as a because... young boy, I was disappointed because you only hear the references to all the lines come from the male killers. And then mm. most of them come from Hannibal Lecter. And then, I think I said it last week. He's in this movie for less than Beetlejuice's screen time, and oh. and won a Best Actor Oscar oh. off of like sixteen minutes of work. Not work, but you know yeah. what I'm saying uh, of screen time. Buffalo yeah. Bill is on screen a lot longer, and uh, yeah. yeah, I think the controversy that year is Anthony probably should have gotten supporting nod, but yeah. he he transfixed everybody out of nowhere with that yeah. sixteen it, minutes. It elevates the material and yeah. how how. Just he's taking this very seriously. You know, he's sort of it, it's not just it's in the dialogue, but it's also in the performance of how he's mm. just he toys with her a little bit, gives her a little bit of information, pulls a little bit back, starts poking her and prodding her. And it's just like the way he does it, his manner seems so polite. And then we'll just suddenly turn and he just like rips her to shreds emotionally. Yeah. And her, just oh, Clarice Starling is such a great character because she's she is our main character. Uh, and 
so many times when you have you know a tough female main character they do a terrible job with it and mm. with her we see how fully rounded she is where she has this like super traumatic scene with hannibal lecter and then the guy next to her like throws jizz at her and everyone's screaming and it's very stressful and she gets out of the the mental hospital and we see her crying for like a couple seconds mm-hmm. outside just having a quick cry and then it hard cuts to her on the shooting range at the mm-hmm. fbi academy of yes, like I she's emotional it. but she's not a weak fear she's not all weak inside or anything she's like i'm gonna deal with this mm-hmm. that was overwhelming but i'm gonna deal with this back to fucking work well it's great because i mean honestly i think it's a good way to talk about dealing with trauma and dealing with stuff like this because that release of crying is like almost i would say a medically necessary thing to do after you go through something like that so it shouldn't even be seen like well you know she had to let her emotions out it's like no Mm -hmm. it's like a physical response to trauma (laughs) that needs to happen or your body will start to break down i mean i think that we should all start thinking about trauma a little bit like that must be nice not allowed to do that right now not allowed to cry (laughs) i gotta go shoot stuff (laughs) but also i mean his performance you can just tell that it's like a once in a lifetime sort of situation because he, Anthony Hopkins performance is like the template for so many performances of mm-hmm. villains and anti-heroes and, you know, a certain type after this, like you just see threads of this, of his performance and so many other people's performances. And yep. I think that's, I think he, I mean, it's been a little bit since I've seen it, but I also kind of remember being a little surprised he does play it with a little bit of a sense of a humor too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is like yeah. awesome you because need, you that need is to also the- like a normal human response, I think, for him. If it was going to be, if he played it with no humor, I don't think that would be like. Well, that's why I recommend people seeing the movie now. That's what makes him so menacing is he's smarter than everybody Right. If you see the movie now after all the other Hannibal stuff you've seen, you know he's being very manipulative. He is not charismatic because, like, I, I tend to watch this with like ten year breaks, but uh, it's it's really fun to watch after because I have not watched this post seeing the show Hannibal, and mm-hmm. uh, those performances are wonderful to juxtapose. And I think to what you were saying, like, no one was expecting anything out of this. Uh, no, the, the, this I mean, is a sequel. the book was popular, but it's out for Valentine's Day. It comes out <laughs> on Valentine's Day. It's not just like, oh, it's fun to go, you know, as a couple to go watch a horror movie because then you can like hold hands or whatever. It's like right. this has not just horror elements, but I mean, disturbing horror elements. Yeah. Dude's getting their whole faces taken off, man. I'm just picturing like guys like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to return that basket of Bath and Body Works lotion that I bought for my partner <laughs> for this movie. Uh, <laughs> All that. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, Man- but it becomes, I mean, it Manhunter, becomes a big hit. It makes a whole bunch of money. Manhunter bombs so it, hard that Dino yeah. De Laurentiis let Orion have the rights for free. Like, or, the, yeah, who knows? Maybe you'll boost the value of my movie on VHS because Manhunter did shit. No one expected anything from this. No one wanted to be cast in this. It's so bizarre. Nope. And, and if, you, if, you're not, if it's not clear, we're in February. Not always a great month for movie. The Oscar stuff is mm-hmm. kind of done. This is the, like, we don't know what to do with this area. So I don't think the studio expected much either. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I mean, it was made on a budget. The strangest thing, I mean, because how impeccably directed it is. Jonathan mm-hmm. Demi just does... Lots of incredibly subtle, smart oh, decisions. Like people are constantly talking to the camera, except for Jodie Foster. She's always a little bit off center because she's our point of view character, basically. So everyone's talking to us 
and we relate to her as she answers for us. Mm. Really, really smart, subtle things. And Jonathan Demi had made Married to the Mob He's most com- recently. This is right off of Married to the Mob. How does he- Married to the Mob and like something wild before that. Yeah. It's like, he's not a drama guy. He's the swing shift guy. Or he's the stop making sense guy. Like, he's not Mr. Serious. Until, <laughs> he until does here. a fucking great job constantly making you unnerved the whole time. And I, I for a little bit of a local, my hometown trivia, Demi made something wild. It was like the only movie shot in my hometown of Tallahassee. So my friend's dad is in a deleted scene uh, in this movie um, oh. as a, as the preacher character. I believe he's a professor at Florida State University nice. or was at the time, but like he somehow oh. fell in love with Tallahassee and keeps coming back here to like cast people in tiny roles in his movies until I believe oh. he died. Is he dead or is that his he, brother? No, he passed away. He passed away. Yeah. No, yeah. Three years yeah. ago. Okay. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah, I think they both they both did. They, they both passed a little too early. Um, it's. I mean, I went back and I checked because this this ends up sweeping the Oscars, which we'll get to in a little while mm-hmm. for '91. And it's bizarre because it's up against Bugsy, which is the exact kind of movie that the Oscars fucking love. Mm-hmm. This comes out all the way back in February. It takes us a year for around to come around to get to the Oscars for it, and it takes the big five: picture, screenplay, director, <sighs> actor, actress. It's I didn't only, realize that. Mm-hmm. Only third time that's ever happened. And I went back and I checked. I can find four other movies I would call horror movies that have been nominated for Best Picture huh. out of about Get 580 out. Yeah. options. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So so we're calling this a horror movie. I, think, I feel like hmm. there's enough blood that you got to call it a horror movie. Okay. There's, some, okay. there's some unforgettable my, my gore. My instinct would be thriller for sure. All right. All right. There are some unforgettable, but, like disturbing sequences that in any. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. And where yep. the fuck has Jodie Foster been? I just heard her narrating a documentary. Oh, I'll tell you guys about that later. Yeah. Um, she's, 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 she's around. Are you, are she's you, not yeah. my favorite person. Is, are you mad because she only, she only pops up to defend Mel Gibson? <laughs> <laughs> don't love that about her. I just watched um, a documentary she narrated about the first female filmmaker, one of those things that no one knows no. her name uh and even i'm forgetting her name and i just watched the documentary well <laughs> sounds like she was very effective uh she, it's french something blanche um oh okay yeah her. anyway what was i gonna say sorry yeah I, it's so weird to have this you know that we talk about it the week after we talk about hannibal because if you watch those back to back like the differences are freaking stark yeah. of how they're made how they affect you how you care about the characters. There's all these tiny little details about how she's constantly being picked up on and the different ways she kind of deflects it. Like sometimes she sort of deflects it like, oh, that's cute. You're hitting on me. And sometimes she's like, can I just go do my job? (laughs) And the way, you know, people treat her differently because she's a woman. Sometimes that's on purpose. And sometimes it's like actually a ploy to fuck with other people. Like, oh my God, there's so much hair. Yeah, and I, the, the last thing yeah, I want to say about so it's... much about being a woman in a man's job to the point <laughs> that this inadvertently led to a lot more women joining the FBI. Really? Ooh, that's not right. Because, I have heard that. Not because specifically Silence of the Lambs, but because what was inspired by it, Scully from yes. fucking mm. X Files, the Scully effects, clearly, clearly modeled on Clarice Starling. In I this mean, movie. down to the hair. Mm-hmm. It's the hair. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And someone totally. that's like plays totally. things close to the vest, but you know, has a good heart and mm-hmm. pretty skeptical, trying to, to do say, her job in a man's like world. They only had one FBI lady outfit at the time. No, yeah, they just didn't borrow it. 
and, and I just want the I wanted to move on, but like I just wanted to add, even its poster became so iconic. Once mm-hmm. we all were required to wear masks, I have seen those all around town and on the internet. I have one. You ha- Sarah has one. <laughs> yes. Sarah has one. Yeah, I have the Silence of the Lambs mask. Yeah. I love it. It's scary, by the way. I wore it the other day, and one of my friends was like, that's fucking dark. Oh, and, those, like, and, there, and there's we're two. dark times. Because you, right. you can buy the, le- the regular lector mask as well, in addition to the oh, butterfly yeah, no. over. I have the, the moth. The yeah. moth butterfly. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool. Okay, I did yeah. not mean to rush so, this out because no. Silence of the Lambs is worth seeing. It. I don't know how it's not our pick of the week because it's amazing. Yeah, no, it's it's a fucking guaranteed classic. I mean, yeah. it's in the mm-hmm. on the AFI list. It's in the National Film Registry now. Like I said, it's like the only horror film that's ever won Best Picture. It's um, it freaking holds up. If it's been a really long time since you saw it, or you haven't seen it because you're a big old wuss, you'll do it. I I believe in you. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. There you it's go. A horror movie. There's a difference. I think. Yeah, I definitely think it's even a scaredy cat like me. I recommend it just because it's such an indelible part of film history, mm-hmm. and it's just referenced so much that yeah. you, you kind of have to see it. Yeah, anytime anyone's in a, a glass prison cell, <laughs> which I keep, I keep <laughs> and not <seeing>. Magneto. <laughs> yeah, even Magneto. Fuck it. Uh, you know, Star Trek Beyond did it. That's true. Skyfall did it. Everybody does that now. Yeah, I mean, it's not the first time I probably to do the like uh, witchy repartee between the the two, you know, the protagonist, the antagonist, but it does it the best. Yeah, mm-hmm. you listening little things wasted my time watching you this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? That's probably gonna be that's nominated for Golden Globes. I'm allowed to slander it. Oh, um, that, yeah, that movie. And I, I didn't know this existed until we started planning this episode. I also why? <laughs> I mean it. <laughs> I can see why you'd want to remake it. It's one of the best silly movies ever made. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? And is this movie? There's a TV remake I've never heard of starring the Redgraves, Lynn and Vanessa. And I I think it was titled "Whatever Happened to Ellipses." And (laughs) well, and I I grabbed the promo. The promo isn't going just because like it's important to hear the you know the story or whatever. But you really have to see the visual. Yeah, of like the costuming and. Ooh, dang. Baby it's... Baby Jane's no longer a vaudevillian. The wheelchair is updated and mechanized, but you are in that rascal. It's, it's, <laughs> no, it's... The, wheel, the wheelchair, like the uh, my baby takes the morning train chair yes, from she's got Seinfeld. Yeah, got a stair yes, lift. Um, it's, That's what I have to call it. It's it's Diana. It's about movie stars in the sixties. It comes from Baby Jane being a popular child star in the sixties or. No, ah. in the in the 40s, instead of being a vaudevillian sensation. Um, but right. whatever happened to Baby Jane is one of the... It's hard to say after the Silence of Lance talk. It's one of the weirdest, most unnerving movies I've ever seen. I've watched it several oh, times. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I never heard of this, but it should be remade. It should be a stage play cast well every year. But here are the Red Graves in uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, 1991 edition. Just a liar. You always were a liar, Blanche. I didn't want to upset you. The classic psychological thriller. Sometimes she's nice and then she gets really mean. Thinks she's crazy. When I was a little girl, I was a big star. Bigger star than you ever were. Jane Hudson deliberately tried to kill her sister Blanche in that so-called accident. The world television premiere. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? And I don't know how you make this movie more camp. That they got the. I was just about to say this is just camp layered on top of camp. 
Mm-hmm. It's a camp layer cake. The Betty Davis role is played by Lynn or Lynn Redgrave, and like, Lynn. and yeah. she is just wearing like fucking doll clothes. It is, it is incredibly mm-hmm. bizarre, and the all the orchestra is by that like. HBO made for TV Stephen King orchestra like I it's just a lot of uh, David Lynch Twin Peaks synth everywhere you go it is so <laughs> silly uh, I could not stop watching clips of this but I it's I couldn't find a full version on YouTube even though there is a full version in a language that is not mine uh, yeah if anybody has anything any, any other information I'll drop in the comments because like I am shocked I, I'm shocked this movie exists and I never heard of it and I'm shocked it hasn't been remade more times it's it's a perfect gimmick yeah. casting stunt and what was that they made a whole show about the production of this movie uh was it feud yeah. feud that was feud, feud. Okay. yeah feud and uh it seems to be like one of those stealth stories that gets probably remade a lot but like you know yeah. kind of like how we're talking about the shakespeare stuff and uh the simpsons this week is pr- the episode principal charming where patty is off dating instead of selma patty bouvier marge's sister who will be a lesbian i believe in 15 years but not well, a lot of shows you can say that. We all, though. Yeah. I mean, I mean, all women will be eventually. Hopefully, but, yeah. she's um, just ahead of the time. But it God is. It's a uh, Principal Skinner dating, and with a lot of Vertigo references. Now that I mention it, but uh, the first appearance of groundskeeper Willie and I believe hundred-year-old Hans Molman. Someone, Woo! someone pointed out. I think his there's a flash of his license and uh, his hundredth birthday is this week. If you go by European dating. Okay. Oh, is that what that was? If you go by American dating, it's in August. <laughs> okay, so 99. There you're... was confusion, yeah. You know, I, I, it's difficult to talk about. I love Roseanne, and I love Roseanne during this period. And her monologue on SNL this week with musical guest Delight is great. It's all about, like, with all the apologies I've been making, my new movie She-Devil, I am officially overexposed and oversaturated. And gets everyone <laughs> to cheer for her and saying that. And my favorite sketch... Other, I feel like, and I know I saw this on YouTube, but I feel like NBC also removed Roseanne from hmm. certain things. the The best sketch from this was the commercial parody of the helpline to like Visa or Mastercard, which is Phil oh. Hartman clearly explaining, explaining, "I lost my card and I called for some information on what I could do to get a new one." And you just have Roseanne being Roseanne. She got right to the point and wanted to know what she could do about it. So I told her I'd need another card as soon as possible since I was taking clients out the next day. Now, this is the part that gets me. Okay, he's telling me how he needs a new card when he gets up in the morning, you know, like he called the credit card fairy or something, you know. <laughs> like I got some magic wand, all I got to do is wave it around and fix everything for him, you know. So I'm thinking about that, so I ask him, hey. If I've got that kind of power over time and space, what the hell am I doing here talking to a loser like you at three in the morning? Of course, he doesn't have an answer for that. I didn't have the information she needed. <laughs> I love this sketch. So I went back and looked through actually the different sketches that were mm-hmm. on this episode, and I I would dare say that this is like one of the more classic episodes yeah. of SNL. It's got a like misery parody. Is, yeah, she's just like perfect for this genre. Yeah, both for being able to like do the sketches in a very like con- like she fits in everywhere, but she's also still indelibly herself. Yeah. Yeah, it's like really cool. And I thought for I thought actually you were gonna play a clip of the misery. Yeah, parody. I couldn't find it which, anywhere. Uh, yeah, I couldn't find it either. I was hoping you had found it mm. magically some way, somewhere on the internet. But uh, <laughs> again, 
not to turn the show, the at least the 1991 part of the show, into things that scared Sarah as a child. But <laughs> <laughs> I like doing the research for this episode triggered this memory of me, this very, very clear, specific memory of me. I've again probably like getting up after my bedtime because I couldn't sleep and getting in my parents' bed with them while they were watching SNL <laughs> and the misery sketch coming on. And like I, I actually saw some screen caps that someone posted of it. Mm-hmm. They do like a reveal of the le- like she is mangled uh i think dana carvey's like <laughs> legs and it was so disturbing to me as a five-year-old i remember just screaming in my mom's bed my mom just like covering my eyes as fast as she could but it was just like because like the legs are like in the screenshot like just like completely turned to a 90 degree angle like they're so mangled <laughs> I don't know. And this is what the show is for is for like triggering specific memories for you when this you're year, like a little yeah. tiny baby kid. And that's mm-hmm. what this did for me. And that I've never forgotten it. Like Roseanne Barr on SNL. I knew it was SNL. I was five years old, but I still knew what SNL was. In, in, ter- in terms of very scary. <laughs> in terms of, of me of me doing this show, it's like I will start seeking out the things that scare me in about eight months. My taste will completely change and I will be <laughs> much more knowledgeable about more knowledgeable about things like Silence of the Lambs, less knowledgeable about King Ralph. Let's put it that way. Um, That's what it is, that game, though. At the same time, I was older, uh, not old enough that I should have been, but old enough that I did sneak into Silence of the Lambs. Damn, uh, really? Yeah, I was 13. This marks the first year I saw all the Best Picture nominees before the awards. Really? Oh, wow. With and no piracy. Most of them I should not have seen. <laughs> wow. I can't wait to see what the other ones are. Me too. Yeah. Okay. We have to wait like a year because it's only February. It's something to look forward to. I don't want it spoiled for me. This is the show. The show's partly for me too, people. Uh, No, no, less so. You think so? Because I'm about to talk about lemmings. No one. I love lemmings. (laughs) Oh goddamn! That's so weird. But maybe that's why you got together with your husband. It's made by DMA Designs, who would go on to become Rockstar and make Grand Theft Auto games. Yes. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, I, well, I think some of the, the corporate DNA was the same. I'm not sure if it's a bunch of the same creative people behind GTA. But Lemmings is a, is a difficult game to describe because it sort of went on to define whatever genre that was before we had Worms. But a mm. back when we thought Lemmings killed themselves, a line of cute little things, and your job is to be the hand of God and the thing that puts things in their way or gives them a new path so they don't walk over the edge of the cliff. Am I correct on this, Diana? You played it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was it. I I love that. So, I mean, it's like, it's, it's a puzzle game, but it also has like a time limit to it because Mm -hmm. they're going to keep walking and they're walking towards that cliff. And if they get to, you know, a dead end, they'll just turn around and walk back towards the cliff and, Mm You know, you got to set one to like digging. So they'll go down this different tunnel and then build a little wall to stop the rest of them. And And they'll just ah, keep going back and forth. So much fun. And music of 1991, uh, February 12th through the 18th. Got to make you sweat. Everybody dance now by C plus C Music Factory. I know it's C and C. I had jock jams. It's still number one. All those steel workers should keep reaching for that rainbow. (laughs) Oh, be nice. Um, And (laughs) self-titled, there's self-titled albums by uh, Mark Coin Con Cohen can't be Cohen. Cohen. Um, self-titled debut of Saigon Kick, uh, Eight Way Santa by Tad. Tad. Um, <laughs> Night Ride Home by Joni Mitchell. Thank God, someone I've heard of. Oh, but I guess I do know Mark Cohen. Well, get him. This is the song. <laughs> All right, you guys. Mushy. This is a shame song. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
We'll close that with Sarah's shamey song. When we come I back, love it. stay right there. We got some fun Chris Rock and comedy stuff to talk about when we get back. I was walking in Memphis. I was walking with my feet ten feet off a beer. Walking in Memphis. Coming in with Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger by Daft Punk off Discovery, which is on Rolling Stone's uh, 500 Greatest Albums list. When- is there a better song? Honestly, like, it's pretty perfect. I love this. Yeah, it just, it's, I don't feel like I hear, I hear the Kanye sample version, which is like, of, I mean, that's also fantastic. I'm not slamming it because I like admire, like, yeah, sample something semi-recent if you feel like it's, if, if you need to, but like. I hear that version way more than the Daft Punk one. Well, yeah. But since it's yeah. it's yeah. so evocative and just added like a harder beat to it, it's difficult to, to, to like one that much more than the other. But Daft Punk, um, but I think, becoming this, a global sensation with this album. I mean, yeah, this whole album is so, so good. And just like digital love, one more time. I mean, it just like kind of brings me back to like a very specific time in my life. And it's a very specific sound for this time, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like for 2001, this was, I mean, we had techno and dance music mm-hmm. and yeah. electronica, but this was like a like combination of everything. Yeah. yeah. So like one new thing that was just so different. Yeah, that, right. that's a great, because it stuck around longer than that craze, the electronic craze. It, and we're about to get like the big, I don't think it's the first Gorillaz album, but their first big one. That's coming up, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, that, these two, those two to me are like linked, I feel like. Just because I don't know, similar sounds to me as far as like I've never heard this before. Holy shit's blowing my mind. Well, speaking of, of very different sounds, new releases also out February twelfth to the eighteenth in two thousand one, which is where we are right now, two thousand one segment. Wasted Days by the Slackers and Conquering Ruler by the Specials. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- did any anybody see that recent Hard Times headline? Of course I didn't read the article. It was just a stock picture of a blonde waitress smiling. <laughs> it's the punk rock onion and said, Ska waitress would like to tell you about the specials. Uh, it, it, it makes me, it's been making me laugh for an entire week. Um, <laughs> um, Miss Jackson by Outcast is still number one. We have some news to bring you into 2001. FBI agent Robert Hansen is arrested for spying for the Soviet Union. He is ultimately convicted and sentenced to life in prison, which was his goal all along. Yeah. Well, also, there hasn't been a Soviet Union for almost 10 years at this point. Oh, no. They didn't pull him out. Uh, <laughs> no, well, this whole story... Oh my! I'm waiting for the movie about him and Aldrich Ames because Aldrich Ames was a spy at the CIA. Robert Hansen was a spy at the FBI, and they knew the government knew they had a spy. They didn't realize. Oh, we have two really good spies who are giving all our information to the Soviets just for money. Robert Hansen was just an FBI guy who decided, "Fuck it, I want money. No ideological reason. I'm just going to go to the Soviets and be like, hey, you want.'" You want some nuclear stuff? I got some nuclear stuff no, for you. No way I'll ever be caught. What are you? Th- anyway, anyway, he wasn't caught for twenty years. Wow. 
Wow, she clearly yeah. is ahead. Yeah. Why has there not been a movie about it? Yeah, for this? real. Are there have you... been like bad TV documentaries yeah. about it. I'm I really want them to combine the two stories because mm-hmm. it's so nuts. And like, yeah, he was still, like and then he take breaks and then he just come back with like, Hey, I got some new stuff for you. You know, and then the Soviet Union falls and then he's still like, uh, hey, not Soviet Russian government, you want some stuff? I got your stuff. Yeah, he gave him all kinds of stuff about like our nuclear capabilities and what our plans were in case of an attack. And oh yeah, he gave him all kinds of shit. It also got some of our spies killed over there. And yeah, now he's in a supermax forever. And he's probably got to give him hand it to him. He's probably doing it over like CompuServe right now too. Um, Yeah, (laughs) one of the ways like he got caught was there was something about hacking someone else's computer to try to figure out if they were looking into him. Meanwhile, they're looking into this other guy, Alder James, at the time. But the fact that like he did a search for himself was one of the things. Wow. Little bits of like, wait a minute, why would someone do that? And then Ames got caught in 94 and they're like, well, that fixes everything. And then I was, wait, it didn't fix everything. Oh, motherfucker. Yep. Okay, and uh, Manic Street yep. Preachers uh, become the first rock band to play Cuba, and Fidel Castro was there. Just, just <laughs> That's moshing. like that image. <laughs> the Manic Street Preachers, really? Uh, are we, uh, do you know what who they are? Weird... <laughs> like... Yeah, I mean, I, I've listened to them before. It's just a very, I'm trying to remember, I think they're, my favorite song in there is called She is Suffering. But wow, what a weird choice. Yeah, it's, it's an odd choice. But let's get to the big news. No, I can't get through uh, this without crying. There's a big old three on my car right now. I know. The Intimidator. America's dad, Dale Earnhardt, 49, dies in a crash. I'm, I'm sorry. Dies in a crash during Daytona 500. This is undeniably tragic because even with all these sports we all consider really dangerous, it is very rare when someone dies in the act, especially someone... On- of- on TV. Yeah. Like on the, TV, we were talking on about the last lap of we, the Daytona We We're talking about that when we talked about Owen Hart previously. That is the one wrestler to die on TV during the act. Everyone usually dies in a hotel <laughs> or or mm. in their own home, but to to die with what they're doing what they're famous for, it's just it doesn't feel valiant and poetic. It just hurts and, you know, yeah. growing up in the south like this dude was immortalized everywhere for a very long time. Um, the dealership that I take my car to get service at is called Dale Earnhardt Jr. <laughs> that's his son. GMC Cadillac. That's his son. Yeah, that's, um, that's his son. I, I yeah. actually watched the crash and read about like what exactly happened. Junior's in the car in front of him. He's blocking for his teammates. Wow. So Junior is right ahead of him, and he's sort of blocking the rest of the pack. He he gets nudged by a guy, so he goes pretty much perpendicular. Hit gets hit by a car, and that slams him into the side on the turn. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of bounces off the, and gets dragged into the infield. Those two cars, the guy who hit him, basically not injured. And Taylor Hunter was probably killed the second he hit the wall. Wow. And of course, there's a big investigation. And I mean, a lot of good things did come out of it. That I mean, first of all, it does not look that bad. Yeah, yeah. But people were baffled by it. Yeah, like you figure he's going to get banged up. Maybe he, he broke a collarbone. No, he died. It smashed his skull. He died instantly. And okay. the good thing that came out of this is they did a lot of changes to their safety protocols after this and so no one has died in any of the big three races in the last 20 years yeah i don't doubt it like that's good it is good to not have your guys get killed all the fucking time yeah but i guess there had been similar deaths leading up to this more than i remember there being but there was all kinds of little tiny changes to like the seatbelt mechanism wasn't quite right and then there was discussion of like did it 
snap off or was it cut or did it break? Like all these little teeny tiny safety things that like, yeah, when you're doing what, like 300 miles an hour, mm-hmm. they're kind of important. Mm. And uh, if you don't remember the number three, you might remember it from, it's one of the first things I remember seeing Calvin pee on because uh, <laughs> the, the peeing on the number three, if not a Chevy or Ford logo, because he was very good. And a lot of NASCAR fans did not like him. And I remember those kind of went away overnight. Like the sports oh, yeah. fans, back when NASCAR fans could be a little more respectable than they were recently, they just, yeah, that's not cool anymore. I just think of it as a reference in Zombieland that I felt like overseas folks didn't get. Every <laughs> every time uh, Woody Harrelson gets a new a new car, he paints a three on the side of it. Yeah, all right. Forgot about uh, that. That was pretty cute. Yeah. Uh, movies of 2001, February 12th to the 18th. Uh, Hannibal is still number one in the box office. Um, we also have Recess, School's Out. The, what do you call it? The Disney One Saturday Morning cartoon finally. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, I'm not familiar with the show or the movie because I was an the adult. The show is great. I, I love that show. It had to have been to get its own movie, or that's maybe that's just the way the Disney Mill works. Well, but, it's a pretty iconic show for people of a certain generation. No, I, I, I'm not trying to deny it. It's just that, like, I know the way animation production works, and somehow, like, mm-hmm. Doug and Teacher's Pet all got movies, I think, before... You had to have started those before you even knew this was successful. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> th- these production cycles are like years. Sweet November is a movie I'd also refuse to see with Keanu Reeves and Charlize Theron. Okay. I feel uh. like this is an impacto profundo moment because <laughs> I constantly confuse this movie with Autumn in New York. Yes. Okay. So both like melodrama weebies mm-hmm. about romantic cancer lady. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we already did. We already have Autumn in New York. I feel like we had it like six months ago. Yeah, I think we did. So this is definitely a deep impact Armageddon situation. Then. Romantic cancer yeah. girl. All right. Um. Yeah, but I mean, okay. So first of all, it's Keanu Reeves and Charlize Theron, and it is not a follow up to Devil's Advocate, which makes me very unhappy. Rude. I love that movie. Very rude. <laughs> and this is oh, it is so many things that I hate in romantic movies. <laughs> She is absolutely a billion percent a manic pixie dream girl, and he's an uptape business guy. And she's like, I'm going to spend the month with you teaching you to love life. And I'm going to do wacky things and wear wacky clothes and be wacky. And I probably have a gay best friend and we're wacky. And now we're in love and cough, cough. Oh, no, I have cancer. Leave me alone. I don't want you to pity me. No, I love you, Charlize. Don't let's go be manic together. I don't care. Just die already. <laughs> oh, man. First of all, I wish I knew who played the gay best friend because that's like a whole genre in and of itself. Uh, of, we got to look that up. I'm pretty sure there's yeah. a gay best friend. I got it. Keep going, 90s, Late 90s, early aughts, gay best friends, like they all need their own club. Is it Jason Isaacs? I think it's Jason Isaacs. Wow. Mm. Okay. <laughs> this character is named Chaz, right. so I've just... well, his character's named Chaz slash, slash Cherry, Cherry, which makes me think a drag queen is involved. Mm. Sure, yeah, it. it's definitely Malfoy's not... dad, Frank right? Langella. That's who it is. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I'm the gayest oldest friend. That's ever <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wait, but Jason Isaacs is is Malfoy's dad? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm into that actually as a gay best friend. I, I would 100% be down for Draco Malfoy being my gay best friend. Like, anyway, I'm sure there's people who love Sweet November and it, it speaks to them in some wonderful way. And I hope it teaches you to love life and love itself. <laughs> oh, I man. don't care. I won't. You can't make I, me. I cannot wait for later in this year where we get to talk about 
the, a twist on that exact genre that you're talking about. That's one of my favorite movies. All right. Um, and Gauntlet a, Throne. A movie I did not like, but was there to see Chaz Palminteri, Regina King, Chris Rock, and Down to Earth. Heaven. What is this place? This is heaven. You're not dreaming. I'm not heaven. dead. Lance Barton is getting a second chance. We can put you in another body to live the perfect life. Take a take 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 with y'all. With the perfect woman. Get out of here. There's just one problem. Pretty fly for a white guy. Chris Rock. Where's my body? Give me back my body! Down to Earth. It's like he's gone crazy. Rated PG-13. It is, it is the third remake of Heaven Can Wait. Yeah, yeah. Or Here Comes Mr. Jordan. Directed by yeah. the American Pie guys. Yep. And, but, but like, uh, I, I was a huge fan of Chris Rock. He was like this meteoric comedian following SNL. And I do think he chose his projects really carefully. And if you look at the writers, it's it's him and Pootie Tang or two, and Louis C.K. are the credit writers here. People from the Chris Rock show. This is the movie they wanted to make. And I don't I think he made very interesting film choices, even if they're, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Nurse Betty, but like it's interesting. And Dogma is an yeah. interesting role to take. Dogma, yeah. He, 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 he never got, he never, Chris Rock never put himself in a fat suit. That's, <laughs> you can say that about him. He wasn't given cookie cutter scripts from the movie business. He kind of shepherded yeah. his own project. He also I mean, never made himself a cartoon B. <laughs> So that's uh, also good on him. He did actually in the <laughs> in the promotion for a B movie. You should look it up. It's him and Jerry Seinfeld on a windshield. Um, oh, man. But they're in oh, costume. He's not a cartoon, but I think he's a small there part of the movie. There are some limits to friendship. <laughs> <laughs> the, some of the great. The, I don't know the B movie just keeps on giving. But if you've never seen Jerry Seinfeld coming down on a zip line in a B costume in in the Cannes Film Festival, these are all things that <laughs> happened. Um, and since he was making the, the you know executive producer money, of course he did it. It's something most people in movies wouldn't bother to do to promote their shit. I feel like this is Jerry's Adderall time. <laughs> I got nothing else to do. Um, down Dude, to earth. Go it, for it. It's... I respect people who will go for it. That's all I have to say. Down to earth. I was disappointed because I think it's a great fit for Chris Rock. I think it's a lot. There's a lot of fun to be had here. Yeah, the idea that like, oh, he died, but it wasn't his time. We'll put you back, but we're going to put you back in this old white guy's body. The twist. And there's a lot of cheap places that could go. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it goes to most of them. <laughs> but also just he's sort of restrained. It's like, mm -hmm. I kind of want him to go crazier. Like, let's really get weird yeah. with this. Yeah, it's it's. I but think it's, nah, it's just sort of holds back. It's it's. Not a, it's not a, a really formulaic studio movie, but it's Chris Rock's most formulaic studio movie, and that's the only mm -hmm. reason it, it sort of bums me out. Especially when you look at the other comedy that came for me out of nowhere the same yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, a movie I'm still kind of amazed got made. Uh, didn't do very well in its initial run. Right. In right. theaters, got pretty rough reviews, and I think is a bona fide cult classic. I, I, yeah. Oh, and I, I love saying these guys' names because I can't really even point many of them out in a lineup. Paul Soder, <laughs> Kevin Heffernan, Steve Lemmy, uh, Jay Chandrasekhar, Eric Stolhansky, and uh, Marissa Coughlin and Brian Cox in Goddamn Super Troopers. You know how fast you were going? 65. 63. In this town. Isn't the speed limit 65? You don't mess with the law. Yeah, it is. Freaking out, man. Don't spit in that cop's burger. It'll look like spit to you. Yeah. Burger punk! The law no. messes with you. Super Troopers. They're coming back, man! Pull the vehicle over. All right. 
any farther. That is such a funny fucking sequence. Um, <laughs> it, it, oh my god, it's so you good. You boys like Mexico? <laughs> what a charming film. And I just love the Broken Lizard Super Troopers. And I'm like, I'm a comedy and movie nerd. Who the fuck are Broken Lizard? How did they get this deal? They made a, a very independent movie called Puddle Cruiser that ended up being released on DVD, but it's like, this is a college comedy troupe with no work obtainable by me. I'd never heard of these people. Not, so I Not much. I think they did interstitials maybe for Comedy Central or MTV at some I, point. I would have remembered like, it. it. I know. Do, do they just sell? I it, it might just be on the strength of the script well, that they I, just managed to I, pull a little bit of money together? I think they said, I thought I remembered seeing in an interview that like they financed the movie themselves and got like one of their friend's dad, rich dad friends, and that was where most of the money came from. And apparently that dude made a shitload of money because when this oh, came yeah. to video, a home video, this is huge. That yeah. dude is Steve Mnuchin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> But how did they like? How did they get Brian Cox? That is the thing. Yeah, is my question. Is the ultimate question for all time. The original Hannibal Lecter, Brian Cox. Yes, Yes. it's tying together, baby. It's tying together. Brian Cox of Succession. Like yes, and and my hold on. And my my favorite thing he he do both. My a man that could do both. My favorite thing somebody (laughs) forced him to do recently. He does the when he does the jingle on the McDonald's commercials. You can just see him. Like, it's so embarrassing. Have you not seen these McDonald's commercials? No. He narrates McDonald's commercials, and I think they have, like, an outtake of him humming the McDonald's jingle, and it is just what you think it is. Brian Cox unenthusiastically. Everyone, Sarah looks confused and like I'm making up something. This, never mind. Yeah, like you are. I'm not. I am not. I can send it to you afterwards, but, uh... Yeah, Brian Cox cast in in a comedy. I don't. I'm not like other than Rushmore. I hadn't seen that happen before, and he's playing it pretty straight yeah. in and Rushmore. But he's fucking funny in Super Troopers. But, I mean, some of it. He he is the straight guy, but instead of his his reaction isn't usually like "Oh, you." It's more like "You, you dumb bastards, motherfuckers." <laughs> And and, and and it's just like, uh, it's a not, I can only describe it as like a non-embarrassing Adam Sandler movie. A group of five friends who wrote yeah. their own shit are clearly very entertained by one another. They drink real syrup in this movie. And it's so, it's one of the grossest acceptable things I've seen on camera. Oh, chugging syrup. Yeah. It's so, it's so weird because like, it is an incredibly stupid comedy. Mm-hmm. It's totally a stoner comedy. It's very, very episodic, you know, and yet. Even for, like, as crass as it can get, I feel like it's so good-natured that, like, I bet my dad would like it. Exactly. Like, it's so silly in a way that I really love. And this was, like, a big movie for my my group of friends in high school. And we were nobody, like, everyone was really straight-laced, like, Mm. in my group of friends, which should... That sentence that should surprise nobody, but like you know, it was like yeah, you're watching the movie with bear fucker. Yeah, yeah, it was like Uh, stop it. One of the movies we like quoted to each other all the time because it it was still really relatable without having to be like you didn't have to be someone who like smoked the marijuana in order to get any of the jokes. Did someone get me a liter of cola? Um, It yeah, and I was I was in college. So this movie spoke to every college guy. I feeling the way a lot of lefties like me do about the police now. It doesn't hurt to watch this movie even slightly because these guys not only don't really ab- if they abuse their authority, it's to get drunk. And it's for silliness. It's for silliness. Not to like put 
poor people in prison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they're, they're messing with the guys with drugs. They're not beating the shit out of the guys with drugs and putting them in jail for 50 years. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's it's such a small, small comedy. This is Fox's Searchlight indie label that I think only recently was sort of decommissioned. They yeah. crowdfunded a sequel to it. I have not been able to get through it, but I... I did see uh, 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 Farva and the Mustache Guy. They have a, a firefighter show oh. on. I, I saw it on HBO Max, and we cl- oh. we, we clicked it Tacoma FD, and like this isn't great, but this is exactly like Super Troopers, and very easy to get into. It's it's just <laughs> it's, not it's not life changing or mandatory, but it was. If you like Super Troopers, you will like that show. It's sweet and silly. And I think one of the things I like, and it's been a while since I've seen this, but I don't remember it being like especially mean spirited. Like it's just like a bunch of friends having like a fun goof around time. Mm -hmm. And that does not always translate very well to screen. Adam Sandler movies. Okay, basically most Adam Sandler (laughs) movies. Yes, exactly. But it really does here because you have like truly funny people Mm -hmm. who truly like each other who understand that like we're not going to make a movie out of inside jokes. Yeah. Or our inside jokes, we can figure out how to translate them to screen. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's hard. It, that's like a very, very special I, alchemy. I think you, you can, yeah. you can see even what... things that could be, they, I don't know, could be a lot worse. And they still managed to make them like kind of sweet natured. Like mm-hmm. yeah. think about the, the uh, super horned up Germans that they pull yeah. over. <laughs> and then it turns into one of the cops making out with the woman and, and then like they arrest him and just put him in another cop's house where they have like an orgy and everyone's just like it's just very like happy fun times instead of mm-hmm. like oh yeah gross mm-hmm. times but i don't know something about that tone of just like Haha, it's funny we're gonna have sex now yeah. <laughs> like, I and i mean it. i like the other broken lizard stuff like i like was it beer fest, was beer, that the fest, beer, fest? I, I like beer fest i like beer fest I also liked um, Club Dread. Club Dread. Okay. Really? Yeah, I did own. actually. I remember <laughs> really enjoying that. Like, especially the whole fun police running joke was really funny to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I still I haven't like seen that. It. Yeah. I like that crew. I have oh, not right. seen Slam and Salmon, but um, yeah, Beer Fest Neither is a I. ton of fun. Tacoma FD and 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 Jay Tandersay Car is like kind of the only guy I see like mm-hmm. consistently on things. He's a Pretty big director. I think did he direct this movie? Um, with directed a ton of Arrested Development. Has a great role at the end of Jackass too. Oh my god! Oh my god! I think Kevin Kevin Hefferman also pops up a lot here and there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but it, it, it like a a better edited Judd Apatow movies are clearly people who like one another and are probably improving a lot, but it is not egregious. It is still cut to yeah. a like a tight comedy. Yeah. Well, and I think it appeals to a certain sort of thing where it's like, you're watching a movie that are the jokes already feel like I kind of mentioned this already, like already feel like inside jokes with your friends. Mm -hmm. So they almost Mm -hmm. automatically become that. I mean, I'm glad we are exiting the era of guys just quoting movie lines at each other and thinking that that is a way to be at parties. But like, this movie movie is definitely part of that. I know you're a fan. Is is this the greatest on-screen role for Jim Gaffigan outside of his own stand-up specials? Ooh, uh, good question. I really love it in My Boys. I do have to say he's great. My Boys. Okay, moving on to television, 2000. I think though, only the second best role for Linda Carter because I want her to be my governor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wonder, Wonder Woman. Um, and on television, 2001, we have uh, Teletubbies saying adieu probably twice. 
And that is until 2015. That's kind of a respectable run. What is that? Like almost 10 years? And then the TV movie, The Ballad of Lucy Whipple. What? Starring Glenn Close, Jenna Malone, and uh, Bruce McGill, and Meatloaf. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What so indeed. apparently this is based on a novel and the novel is like this woman who is a widowed mother who decides to move west and take her daughter with her and they settle in this California mining town full of characters and I imagine Meatloaf is one of them. Um, <laughs> but... Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I had to, I don't have a, like a promo for it or anything. I just had to pull it because holy shit, what a cast. Uh, we also have this week another episode of Futurama, The Day the Earth Stood Stupid. I did not look into this. Um, oh, this is such a good one. This is one with the giant flying brains. Make mm-hmm. everyone really, really dumb, except for Fry, because he's from the past. And <laughs> then they start hopping in and out of books. There's that whole sequence. And in the end, Fry defeats them by writing his own book about them, full of spelling errors. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, has uh, one dumb quote that I will quote to myself all the time for no reason. There. Now he's trapped in a book I wrote. A crummy world of plot holes and spelling error. The big brain am winning again. I am the greatest. <laughs> now I am leaving Earth for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> also this week, I had to grab a clip of this. I apologize. I know I'm a big SNL okay, silly guy. Okay, literally... In when we we were both in the dock grabbing, mm-hmm. I was like, I literally copied and pasted this clip, and then I went in, and I saw that. Oh, you already had it. Yeah, it's it's SNL <laughs> hosted by Sean Hayes and musical guest Shuggy uh, from the Super Bowl Cheeto commercial. Um, yeah, twenty years to the day when he still had the number one song. You probably Pretty thirty cool. twenty ten listeners probably told that to an annoyed loved one during the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, Molly, it's also I know I did. It's also Molly Shannon's <laughs> last show, but I, oh. we would be remiss if we didn't say, other than Debbie Downer, this is the biggest break, crack up, corpsing I have ever seen that on SNL ever. Is what I was gonna say. Like that's why I wanted to pull this clip because it's again doesn't really translate great audio wise, but it is not only the most corpsing I've ever seen on SNL, but also. We get to see our first taste of Mugatu. Yes, from Zoolander and and love SNL. If you haven't heard me explain it, this is this behavior is not encouraged. I've watched this sketch a thousand times. There are uh, two Femi guys working in an upscale store who make fun of all their clients, and then Horatio San walks in with a fucking Looney Tunes jacket and very clearly like moves around to make eye contact with Jimmy Fallon in order to murder him on stage and like make him do this <laughs> and the whole time like sean hayes is being like the consummate professional best. which by the way sean hayes in general does not get enough respect mm-hmm. everyone needs to put some respect on his name his snl opening monologue is like i think akin to joseph gordon levitt levitt as far as like how hard he goes because he's a musical theater guy and so he goes real hard in the monologue I went back and I looked at like the different sketches from the show and like read about him and he does a really good job throughout the entire show, but he is like completely stone faced playing it perfectly this entire sketch until Horatio Sands comes in. Horatio Sands comes in, ruins Jimmy Fallon. Like if this were like baseball, Horatio Sands would have been fine. He fucked up this whole (laughs) sketch, but you can hear the audience losing it. And Sean Hayes is keeping it cool. And then Will Ferrell moves in slowly on a rascal scooter, pulls out the world's smallest flip phone, 
And Will Ferrell is not a breaker either. And so I just grabbed a clip because usually when people are breaking and laughing, they're putting their hands over their mouth, Bill Hader style. Sean Hayes is like guffawing through his lines. Yeah. You can also too, by the way, Will Ferrell is breaking to a electric boogaloo. And he that that is also rare for him. Yeah, he doesn't do that very well. You can hear him struggling trying to get this line out. We're going to the Dolce Gabbana show. How fast can you have your bags back from Milan? I've got my Jack Spade bag packed already. My Paul Smith does. My Paul, my Paul Smith does saying au revoir. <laughs> oh, God damn. It's, just, it's very joyful. I recommend you go and It's and, a joyful and clip, it and I think... This alone might have ruined that era of SNL for breaking in general because, like, the audience loved it. You can, yeah. you can hear them losing their fucking minds. Uh, and then lastly, we have a TV movie. <laughs> These old broads. I know you think we talked about that with the Baby Jane remake. No. This, no. <laughs> uh, this is, wow, Shirley MacLaine, Debbie Reynolds, Joan Collins, and Elizabeth Taylor. Please tell me they get a heist yes. movie. <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. But no, uh, this is about stars from the early 60s who they, it's like uh, Sunshine Boys, where it's like their their kids try to reunite them for like a special and they but they have all these old grudges and they hate each other. And look, I saw this existed. I hadn't seen it. So I made a list of what I wanted to see. I wanted to see wig pulling. Check. <laughs> I wanted to see Liz Taylor and Debbie Reynolds have a scene together where they talk about a man they shared. Check! Eskimo sisters. They are Eskimo sisters. Well, and what was weird is that Liz Taylor is apologizing to Debbie Reynolds for taking her man, which is what happened! Eddie Fisher! Anyway, this is... Why that guy? Yeah, no, Carrie Fisher's dad left Debbie Reynolds for Elizabeth Taylor, and Carrie Fisher co-wrote this, so there's a lot of... Wow. A lot of in-jokes. I mean, they're all playing oversized versions of themselves. Joan Collins is like totally sex potting it up and Shirley MacLaine's all brassy and Debbie Reynolds is all cute. And Liz Taylor is playing a version of, gosh, why am I blanking on her name right now? She was a famous agent who's very big and brassy with a big New York accent. Was it the Kathy Bates lady? No, never mind. Yeah, was it Kathy Bates or was it? No, is it? Kathy Bates or Bette Midler did a one woman show about her. Why am I blanking on her name? I feel like a dick. Anyway. They, it, it was fucking crazy to see all these these old broads together. They all seem to be having a lot of fun. There's a lot of goofiness, including a time where like they have to hide a dead body and also shoot this musical number. Oh, yeah. Was there a musical number that goes wrong? Check. One that goes great? Check. That's all I wanted. Oh, my God. Perfect. I was so happy. It's on archive.org for free from someone's <laughs> oh, no. VHS transfer. Mm. It is fan of classic Hollywood ladies. These old broads was really dumb but really fun Hell yeah, and uh, also knock on wood that uh half of them are still around although the D- grim reaper's been coming for all, all our really old stars lately so oh my god we've wanna, had a we've actually had so. a rough year thus far in 2021 when it comes for when it comes to our faves mm-hmm. <sighs> yes yeah. leachman girl yeah mm. cicely tyson christopher Plummer. Yes. he's been coming for the old schools guys i want dick van dyke in protective custody <laughs> I, I mean Time uh, comes for us all. No, it was fun. And to see that Joan Collins, like, pushing 70 could do the full splits. Damn, girl. Ow. Girl. Ow. Girl. 
Ow, that oh, is yeah. the least interesting way to break a hip I at that age. I need to know the name of her orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, them hips go all the way around. <laughs> <laughs> we will go more in depth to what games came out, but like at a glance, it is literally nothing except Final Fantasy IX hits, hits Europe even though America and Japan got it last last year. I'll scour all the systems for something else that came out, possibly an arcade game, on patreon.com slash laser time. We are almost all the way caught up. It is a good feeling. By next week, you should have two episodes of that. Uh, uh, the Video Game Apocalypse guys talk about all the great games that came out, and I cannot wait to talk more in depth about Street Fighter 2, because what a fucking... <laughs> what a one of the greatest games of all time. I feel like we have not had that yet. But let's close out the 2001 segment with Trooper with an Attitude by 38 Special. We'll be right back to talk about 2011. Don't move. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Dinah's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of February 12th through 18th, speaking of horror movies, like we did with Silence of the Lambs, we've got a classic horror movie to talk about. 90 years ago this week, 1931, saw the release of Dracula, the, you know, original one, I guess, sort of, if you don't count Nosferatu, you know, the one starring Bela Lugosi. And it's where you get all the classic Dracula stuff that you're used to with, like, the slick back hair and wearing a medallion and a cape or <laughs> medallion as they would call it on venture brothers a dracula trophy uh i have to admit not my favorite version of dracula because it's an early sound film and so it's slow the pacing is kind of slow but for a little extra fun at night while they were filming dracula they did a spanish language version on the same set same costume same everything and that was actually a little bit better at least it's definitely sexier mas sexo so a lot of DVDs, like you can get both of them together. And that's, it's pretty fun to watch them back to back like that. And then <laughs> I love this in honor of the second impeachment in a year. Uh, I thought, let's look at a, a movie. Have, have presidents made any movies? Actually, yeah, there's a president who made a whole bunch of movies. And so to embarrass all Republicans everywhere, 70 years ago this week, 1951, saw the release of Bedtime for Bonzo. With Ronald Reagan and a wacky chimpanzee. And if you've ever seen Reagan really fucking embarrass himself, besides, you know, his presidency, I recommend it. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Come
Coming into 2011 with uh, Shell Games by Bright Eyes. Oh, Bright Eyes, 2011. I love a good Planet of the Apes reference. Uh, off of The People's Key, welcome to 2011, our final segment on 302010. Uh, February 12th to the 18th is the week we're talking about. We have some new music releases. We got Demons by Cowboy Junkies. Hardcore Will Never, Never Die, But You Will by Mogwai. Let England Shake by PJ Harvey. Dynamite Steps by the Twilight Singers. To Hell with God by Decide. Justice by uh, Rev Theory and What Doesn't Kill You uh, Eventually Kills You <laughs> uh, by Gay for Johnny Depp. Uh, is that, a, that is a real <laughs> band name. Okay. I love every part of that. <laughs> um, Grenade by Bruno Mars is still number one. And to give you a little bit of news to bring you into the whole world of 2011, protests begin against Muammar Gaddafi and Libya. Arab Spring is spreading. Movies of 2011. Man, I, I thought I saw Barney's version. Is yeah, it, I'm. I thought I saw this too. Is that is that a um? Oh, what's that dude's name? Uh, Paul Giamatti and Rosamund Pike and Barney's version. It's an interesting movie about Paul Giamatti uh, being kind of a piece of shit and like all the different romantic entanglements and stuff that he has in his life and all kinds of different problems and stuff and it's sort of I don't know. It was a little like a Woody Allen Ingmar Bergman type movie mm-hmm. for me. Which, if you like Ingmar Bergman, I guess maybe you'll go for it. He's really good in it. Duh. Yeah. But nah, for everybody. But we got to get on to Big Mama's. Is that really what they're calling yeah. the franchise now? The third one? Yeah. Big Mama's House uh, Three, like father, like son. It's been a while. It's what it says on. It's what it says on the label. What do you want me to say? Yeah, Martin Lawrence, Brendan T. Jackson, Jessica Lucas, uh, Tony Curran, Faze on Love, Sherry Shepard, Portia Doubleday. A movie I can't even watch. Ironically, The Chaperone, starring Paul Levesque, Triple H. <laughs> and Ariel Winter, Kevin Corrigan, Jose Yardley Smith, Lisa Simpson is in yep. it. There you go. But uh, yeah, this is a WWE produced movie with Triple H trying to make mm. what was that rock movie, The Tooth Fairy? Did he do that one? Right. Also out this week, I am number four. Kevin Durand, uh, Callan McAlfey, uh, Diana Ark, Agron, Teresa Palmer, Timothy Olyphant, uh, Alexa Pfeiffer. I am number four. There were nine of us. We are the last of our kind. But now, we're being hunted down. The first three are dead. I am number four. Who are you? Number six. You were given these powers for a reason. Where is the boy? You have no idea what I'm capable of. Four. Ready PG thirteen. We're this... trying to be Twilight so hard. We got a young adult novel about special kids who came from another planet, and now bad aliens are hunting them, and they're all sexy teenagers. And some of them they have powers, and there's fighting. And... Yeah, I, I, I thought this was. I didn't even think about the young adult aspect, even though this is not based on a comic book. But it was the yearning to make comic book movies, and Marvel very slowly getting started, and DC being even slower. There's this period of like superhero films and I've always wanted to go through and like which ones are actually good because <laughs> mm. um, obviously this is meant to be a franchise and that did not pan yeah. out yeah yeah I feel like this is we're, we're definitely in a twilight we're in a twilight zone here mm. everybody oh. <laughs> uh, consider if you will uh, <laughs> although we haven't we haven't hit like you know Hunger Games divergent the post-apocalyptic kind of mm-hmm teenage fiction that we get a whole glut of later but yeah everyone's, they're trying to be franchises they're running out of franchises harry yeah. potter's dying almost done yeah, we're, we're in the full yeah. jumper territory <laughs> yeah twilight's almost done so yeah let's make superhero stuff but with like sexy teenagers mm-hmm. and uh i did not watch this but 
the number one movie at the box office this week. I also I feel like I watch, but I can't tell you because Liam Neeson has made the same movie once a year for the last ten years. Uh, Bruno, Bruno Gans, Aiden Quinn, Frank Langella again, January Jones, Diane Kruger, and Liam Neeson and Unknown. I don't know how I got here. <laughs> Being in an accident. Can you tell me your name? Dr. Martin Harris. Martin Harris doesn't exist. What? Somewhere there's proof. I'm me. I need to find it. It's not safe for you. There are people watching. You really don't remember anything. I remember everything. <laughs> I'm Martin Harris. Unknown. Ready PG-13. Uh, Liam Neeson plays okay. Martin Harris, in case you were wondering. I mean, I not to play too much into the title of the film, but I 100% know that I saw this movie, and I 100% have no idea what this movie is about. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have seen so many Liam Neeson thrillers over the years now. Like, it's kind of a thing with me and Sam. Like, we have to watch all of them. And I always enjoy them as I'm watching them. And I know I watched this one, and I could not tell you the first thing about it. I, yeah. It's kind of gotten to that point with him. Yeah, I, I'd still say he is one of my favorite examples of like a late stage bona fide movie star. Like just yeah, his yeah. name being like, we can sell this movie to the entire world if Liam Neeson is in it and over 50. That's, yeah, and he's punching people. And he's punching people. And for, yeah. My mom would see every Liam Neeson movie in the theater in the early 90s because it was just her stroke man. But but it's so bizarre to Ew, see him like, yeah, why? sorry. I don't know. I don't, I'm sure she's not jerking off in the theaters to... <laughs> Rob Roy, list. Uh, <laughs> Rob Roy, I, I, I classed Rob it up. Roy. <laughs> Rob Roy, it's a fun movie. Come on, yeah, don't get thrown uh... out of Schindler's List. Jesus <laughs> That's the R-rated Seinfeld moment. Holy Lord! No, uh, unknown. It's like it is fine that it's like kind of got a wrong man Hitchcock thing going on, where it's like, oh, why doesn't anyone know who I am? Oh, there's a big conspiracy and. Most of the conspiracy, like, it's one of those that afterwards you're like, well, that didn't actually make any sense. Why make it so complicated? Can't right. you just shoot him? You know? Right, right, it, right. It's that kind of thing. But yeah, it's fun at the time, and then it, it has no lasting qualities. Uh-huh. Empty it's calories. Fine. It's yes. empty movie there calories. There you go. Like, this, it, it, yeah, filmed abroad. Uh, it's got everything a film should have, but it's meant to be, like, eaten once and never thought of again. And yeah, moving on to television, I love that you brought this up because this might be only my mind on, is this on Jeopardy? Mm-hmm. Is it, did Ken Jennings compete against the computer? I don't remember if Kemp Jennings competed against him. I think they did. The Watson. I think they brought him in. Yeah. yeah. The fact that the Watson computer could play at all blows my fucking mind because yeah. it requires context and sometimes the question will go in one direction and then change at the end and, and the Watson computer and understood the questions and gave the right answers and the, won. The, you got to know feelings for puns. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm sorry. People underestimate how much Jeopardy success is based on pun work. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about that? That guy who's it like not a lot. genius and just studied the way Jeopardy questions go. Like, yes. this is not a difficult question, but we're going to phrase it in a cute way that makes you think the wrong way about the answer to an easy question. That's why mm-hmm. I'm good at Jeopardy. Is mm-hmm. because like you just have to like kind of figure out the structure. It's also why I'm good at standardized testing. Mm-hmm. A useless <laughs> skill. I also don't like this because I don't like that the computer was like competing. And yet, I mean, how can 
Trebek make fun of a computer, which is the best part of every show. Digital loser. It makes fun of everyone's like little, oh, I knit scarves for cats. And he's like, okay, loser. That's the best part of the show. Like if the computer is saying those things, he can't make fun of that. It's It's also one of those things... I, I I think we were all rooting for humanity here just because yeah. you know it's always on the brink of collapse and it lost and I think we all I remember whenever I think about that like what happened like oh you I think we all collectively decided to not remember this because if this mm-hmm. contestant ever came back like he should have on Jeopardy we would not have a show and yet yeah, somehow think- <laughs> are you faster than Shazam was a game show that existed which this and mm-hmm. Watson are like well, are we factoring in latency here like what's what's the internet connection like in Jeopardy? I think we just think he lost, but we I think we wanted didn't. him to lose, and I think we it's cute. We collectively decided to not think about this ever again because fuck you, Watson. It's the last time I heard <laughs> IBM's name. Also out this week, The Sunset Limited, uh, an HBO movie I have not heard of, but with Tommy Lee Jones and Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, it's very stagey. I mean, I liked mm-hmm. it, but it's very stagey. You can tell it's a stage play. It's mm-hmm. just oh, yeah. them. Just talking. I, 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 life and stuff. I secretly love those a, movies. It's based on a Cormac McCarthy play. Mm-hmm. I think Tommy Lee Jones plays a professor who mm-hmm. almost succumbs to suicide. And then Samuel Jackson intervenes, I think, mm-hmm. is the story. And then it's them like talking about that. And basically like Samuel Jackson trying to like. <laughs> Their names yeah. are black and white. <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's directed by Tommy Lee Jones. I, I, I just watched uh, One Night in Miami. And they're just like, man, I love play movies just a bunch of people having an i do because it's a bunch of people typically yelling in another person's face to the point where you would get punched in real life and then (laughs) just watching it happen with a movie with muhammad ali in it and like can't talk to muhammad ali (laughs) (laughs) uh anyway uh sunset limited the grammys are also this week the 2011 grammys this is my favorite year because i was involved with twitter and i had probably one of those people who had the suburbs by arcade fire and i believe after this trending on twitter was who is arcade fire because people <laughs> seriously that was not something that typically happened wow. where people don't have not heard of the band who won album of the year but arcade fire wasn't getting but, any radio play as far as i know yeah hmm. oh, wait what's the difference between record of the year and album of the year oh my god we had to go through this on, oh an, on, on some episode i Rec- I'm sorry, I'm confused. I think record is like song, but there might also be a song of the year. It makes no sense. No, no, it, it, it typically like lumps in like engineers and producers and mixers and one doesn't. One is like more about the artist themselves. Um, and I mm-hmm. don't care to distinguish which one is which because it gets very confusing. You have song, yeah. album, and record of the year, and they are different. Right. Uh, okay, so record of the year was Need You Now by Lady Ellen. Antebellum, I think we played that. Album mm-hmm. of the Year, Suburbs by Arcade Fire, and then Song of the Year, Need You Now by Lady Antebellum. That's confusing. I don't... Lady okay. what? <laughs> yep. And then Best New Artist was Esperanza Spalding beating Justin Bieber, Drake, Florence and the Machine, and Mumford and Sons. I remember when this what? happened because people were like, who? Yeah, and here I am <laughs> doing the same thing. What? Who? And I obviously wasn't watching this. The, the Grammys, everyone. Uh, best female pop vocal performance bad romance i don't know that anyone could disagree with that yeah that was everywhere there was like the song because i i didn't have a car but i commuted a lot and walked around a lot in the streets of san francisco so if i can de- if i'm learning the lyrics to a song hearing it blared from other people's vehicles i know it's very popular it's literally how i was introduced to carly ray jepson i had never heard the song personally i heard it from 
objects in the environment constantly. Uh, <laughs> Bruno Mars took it for just the way you are for male uh, pop vocal performance. Train one for best. <laughs> All right, God damn it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what else is notable here? You tell me. I am very disconnected yeah. from this. Oh, this is one where Lady Gaga showed up inside a giant egg. Oh, sweet. Oh, that's fun. Yep. Sweet. The Simpsons reference that. Now I get it. Wait, best solo rock vocal performance, Helter Skelter by Paul McCartney. What is happening here? Is that a, is that a <laughs> new album from Paul McCartney that I'm missing out on? I mean, I think with this discussion right now, we are proving how extremely relevant the Grammys are. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that is yeah. the the Grammys, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. But it's a great night for must see TV. Oh uh, my god, so good! So many great episodes. I can't uh, believe these are all the same night. Right? I'm very so happy. For community, we have intermediate documentary filmmaking, which is the episode where Pierce is like found unconscious and he thinks that he's dying. And so he is asking Abed to make a documentary about him as he bequeaths different things to different members of the study group. And everybody gets their own monkey's paw, basically. And also, Abed is constantly referencing how easy it is to make an episode of The Office. It is a polite <laughs> slam on mm-hmm. on the uh, the formula of the next two shows. Which is fun, so funny when we talk about the episode of The Office that's mm-hmm. coming up. Yes, because it is like a departure from The Office. But anyways, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, but I mean, this is Levar Burton making his first appearance. Yeah. Yeah, they have LeVar Burton, and he's so upset because you can't disappoint a picture. (laughs) And you know what? I really felt this in my heart because I feel like we all feel this way about LeVar Burton, who is like slowly over time becoming elevated to the point of American Saint for me, along with Jimmy Carter and Dolly Parton. Mm -hmm. Like he's really, the only reason he's not like fully up there is because he's just not old enough, probably. Mm -hmm. But like he is truly a fantastic human being and i would feel the same way as troy honestly yeah, lavar burn was a huge part of my childhood and this episode is directed yeah. by half the team of uh avengers endgame i love that they're they're they're, they're on the back slate they help, help co-create the show the russo brothers for the office this is the threat level midnight episode yes <laughs> yes it's so good so and this i think this is like a kind of a bright spot I think for a lot of people in the run of the office this is kind of on the downslope I think for a lot of people for their office viewing because you know it, it's kind of tapering off or about to lose Michael Scott and it's just like it's just not as good as it used to be but then we get this episode which was like several years in the making because I think mm-hmm. a couple seasons ago we found out that Michael Scott was writing a screenplay called Threat Level Midnight which was basically like a James Bond takeoff and he finally gets around to filming it. And the whole episode is basically the movie, like an extremely, extremely, extremely low budget, like, low, like low. It's so film. Stupid. And it's so stupid. And it's so, it's good, so though, stupid where they're because... speed skating and shooting each other at the same time <laughs> and missing it's, the yes. whole time. It, it's, it's so fun, though, because it totally brings you that joy of like just creating some cool bullshit with your friends yeah you know like (laughs) that is the joy that this brings just two years ago i think maybe more of this was on the dvd but the the official office youtube channel cut together the full movie and it is the it is the full movie of threat level midnight that they shot for jokes in this episode is the length of an episode of the office so if you haven't seen it it's 22 minutes uh threat level midnight the full movie um and it's on it's available on youtube 
and probably Peacock for money. Yeah. But, but last but not leastly, Parks and Rec, the episode yeah. Media Blitz. This uh, is a fun see. one where basically the whole team, they go on a media blitz on all of Pawnee's various media, which is also like one of my favorite things because they go to the like crazy morning drive time people. They do the NPR style people. And then they also have you heard with purred <laughs> like all my favorite parts of parks and Re- or many of them have to do with like the media of Pawnee because they are all like the worst possible version of what you can expect from like local news media, but still so charming. I love this. And I grabbed a little clip from when Ben played by Adam Scott goes on with Aziz Ansari's character to promote the harvest festival. And Adam Scott, he kind of freezes up with Purd and starts just talking in a way that is in no way like reminiscent of, uh, I don't know, my last episode of 302010. So go ahead, everyone. <laughs> hey, guys, how'd it go? Well, there were some sticky moments. Let's go to the videotape. <laughs> ah, look, who hasn't had gay thoughts? Who? You okay? You're... Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I mean, you know, sometimes I feel like I might need glasses. Is there a bird in here? I swear I keep seeing a bird in the studio. Maybe that's How did this happen? To it. He was fine until birds started asking him about the boy mayor's stuff. What's wrong with you? You look psychotic. I was 18 when I was elected mayor, okay? So excuse me for that. Cindy Eckert had just turned me down for senior prom. Do you know how that feels? I should call her. I should. I sh- no, I shouldn't. And I'm not going to. And I'm proud of myself for that. <laughs> and then he talked about feeling up Cindy Eckert for the first time for about five minutes. And then the show ended, <laughs> as did our careers and probably Harvest Fest. Uh, I just uh. every time that Ben melts down on the show, it just feels really familiar to me. <laughs> it's it's nice was, to see. Was this the first time they went in depth about his boy mayor stint? Gosh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think they, so. I think we heard about it before about like. Yeah, you hear about it in his debut, yeah. I think. And it's just talked about lightly uh, yeah. here and there. Ice Clown. Uh, I wish I could remember the whole newspaper headline. So good. Oh, so and now we got to get to the games. This is why we want you guys to go to patreon.com slash laser time so we can talk about the games more in depth with the Video Game Apocalypse Boys. That shows us out every Friday. Um, celebrating Black History Month all this month. How about that? Talking about fighting game characters this week. But this episode is special for other reasons. Uh, there's some stuff here that only game people will be able to talk about. Ease 1 and 2 Chronicles. Yeah, there's that. Dragon Quest Six Remake. But Hyper Dimension Neptunia is the silliest cheesecake anime girl game, but every anime girl is playing a different era of video game console. Um, oh. It's very, okay. very strange. Set pretty impenetrable. We streamed it numerous times. It never gets as weird as we wanted it to, but um, it's the first edition of that. Even better for me, Marvel vs. Capcom 3, The Fate of Two Worlds, the third Marvel vs. Capcom game, and it was glorious. I'm not sure that the series got better than that. Also, Hardcore Uprising. Hardcore Uprising, heard of it? Uh, You may not have, but it was Contra, and for some reason they changed the name of it completely, and it's essentially a a lost Contra game for XBLA and PSN. And we'll talk about way more games on the Patreon show with people with a collective what is it, like 400 years in the games industry? But yeah, that is about it for the show. Stay tuned for Deaths and Births. 
but we have to tell you some other stuff real quick. Like this show is executive produced by Evan Clark and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time. You'll get big, robust monthly versions of the video games of 302010 that we'll talk about with uh, the Video Apocalypse Boys, as mentioned. Sick of Star Wars, a uh, new episode of Bonus Time coming out soon, talking about goddamn WandaVision. It's all I can think about. And where can people find you, Diana? Well, they can follow me on Twitter at listenernerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And teasing next week, Nicolas Cage is driving like a bat out of hell. Oh, is this the forgotten Marvel movie? No, but it... It is inspired by Groundhog Day, which we just had a couple weeks ago. Fucking you know, name. it's funny. There are a couple Nicolas Cage movies that that could actually. I know there are. Apply but to. I was I was thinking more of that he doesn't take Bill Murray's advice and don't drive angry. Oh, don't drive angry. Oh my god! All right, I, wow! I can't believe. I am I am excited. Wow! I, this is a fun movie. But we must move on. Who died during this period? Well, in 2001, we lost William Masters of Masters and Johnson. He was 85. So sorry, Michael Sheen fans. And then in 2011, we lost Kenneth Mars, who was 75. He was all over the place, but you probably remember him best from The Producers or Young Frankenstein. And then we also lost Len Lesser, who's 88. He was no. Uncle Leo on Seinfeld. Oh, Uncle Leo. Uncle Leo. Favorite, favorite episodes. And who oh. I model my eyebrows after. <laughs> from that one episode where he lost his eyebrows and then had to have them drawn on. Oh, <laughs> and with the deaths out of the way, who was born during this period? Oh, birthday is a doodly-doo. A ding-dong doodly-doodly ding-dong-doo. Oh, Okay, let's talk about someone who has had a very strange career. Turning 53 this week, born February 12th, 1958 in Santa Monica, California. He was the son of a wildlife activist and an actor and was a punk surfer who stole cars to feed his various drug habits. <sighs> uh, Patrick Swayze. No. Someone yeah. else from Point Break. But he did get his shit together, mostly. Uh, I did not know there was... A time where his then-wife, Diane Lane, called the cops on him over an altercation that got physical, but declined to press charges. Thought I would just throw that out there. Not Matthew McConaughey? No. But we've talked about him in 19 different movies and TV shows, and I'm skipping a couple. So let's start with that he lost the role on 21 Jump Street to Johnny Depp. Huh. And uh, also thrashing Bed of Roses and Flirting with Disaster. Oh, Christian Slater? Nope. No, Ben Stiller. Nope. No, I knew his parents are. Um... I can do this. Uh, <laughs> not Richard Jenkins. How about Mimic the Mod Squad Best Laid Plans? Giovanni Ribisi? No. There is a long period in his career that is just like, wait, he was in that? Mm. Yeah. But he's in these and we've talked about them. Uh, you Will Meet a Tall Dark Stranger, Hollow Man, Grindhouse, and Women in Trouble. Is it James Brolin? No. No. Okay. You want another shot at that? Kevin Bacon. Hold no, on, hold Bacon. on. Kevin Bacon? No. Uh, Hold on. Diane Lane. I know who Diane Lane was with at one point. Oh! Chris gave you the answer. I did? Yes. How? Because you said James Brolin. Oh, Josh Brolin. Josh, Josh Brolin. Oh, God damn it. God I was, damn. I love flirting with disaster. I was running through everything. Yeah. I knew he was with Diane Lane, but then I was like, no, Chris already said it because I confused yeah. him with his much hotter father. Yeah, <laughs> I said it. I true, said it. it's true. James Brolin has gotten much hotter as an older guy. Okay, than even he was as a younger guy. And Girl. and uh, let me just say, I've been watching a lot Good of. Good enough for Babs. Good enough. For watching me. a lot of Brolin's work in 
Deadpool 2 for some reason. Just saying, listen to the bonus mm-hmm. time with me and Chris Baker. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why I'm digging into that franchise again. Holy Lord. Um, yeah. Also, <laughs> we got more, though. We did, In the Valley of Elah, American Gangster, Wall Street Money Never Sleeps, True Grit, Jonah Hex, W, Milk, and No Country for Old Men. We've got, like, the full arc of his career. Wow. Like, the, it's just true. leaving the child actor stuff and then the, oh, hey, it's that guy from the Goonies Did stuff. Did we just miss the Goonies? Did we get the Goonies in? Boom. No, oh. we never got the Goonies in. Huh. Yeah, and here we are literally 30 seconds from the end of the show, and suddenly everyone's sound has disappeared. So I guess it's my job to say happy birthday, Josh Brolin, and thanks, everyone, for listening. We're going to go out with Rico Suave, and uh, hopefully everyone's sound will be back by next week. Talk to you then. Don't judge a book by its cover. There's more to being a Latin lover. You gotta know how to deal with a woman that won't let go. The price you pay for being a gigolo. Rico. Suave. Suave.